welcome to the Classical Stuff You Should Know podcast. This is episode 13 of our podcast, and we are here with Graham Donaldson. Hey, everybody. And Thomas Magby. Hey. And I'm AJ Hannenberg. And today we will be talking about the logical fallacies, which are basically problems in logic if you are arguing or you're trying to put together, yeah, if you're, basically if you're arguing or trying to convince anyone of anything, these are the things that are problems. It's when you're screwing up. It's if when you are interacting with human beings. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, sometimes it's, you're not arguing for anything. You're just sort of hanging out. Um, so these are, yeah, these are ways of thinking that you can easily fall into that seem plausible or they seem like ways to build an argument. But in the end, it's, they're wrong. They are, they're, they're fallacies. They're uh, ways of constructing an argument that may convince people, but they aren't actually um, uh, valid. And unfortunately, you can use your skills for evil. So we will be teaching you logical fallacies today, and you can go and you can use those skills um, for the greater evil. But you should not, dear listener. You should be doing it for the greater good. You should identify them when someone is using them to abuse the populace That's and true. be a hero of logic. Um, and so we teach our students this because they have a thesis thesis that they have to do <laughs> thesis, thesis. Research. <laughs> different guy. They have a thesis that they have to do at the end of high school and then they have to do a 20 minute question and answer period. And not only can they easily fall into logical fallacies when giving answers that they're sort of speaking extemporaneously, but judges too can form questions that are actually logical fallacies. And if the student on stage um, can point out that this is a logical fallacy, uh, they're gonna they're gonna come off looking real smart and real good. You don't want, you don't want them to tell that to the judge. They would. I don't want them to be like, well, sir, that's <laughs> actually a logical fallacy. That's uh, uh, ad baculum. Yep. No, because uh, that's not gonna make them come off looking good. But if they can uh, recognize themselves that it's a fallacy and then word their answer so that everybody knows that the questioner was really bad, they're gonna come off looking quite clever. Yeah. Uh, and in a good way and in a, in a way that sort of helps their ethos. Um, so yeah, so like, like when they dodge a loaded question, right? Exactly. The questions mm. leaves them only two options and they recognize that it's kind of a loaded question and instead say, well, that's they're, they're, that you're identifying only two options. There's really a third. And I realize that when I'm a judge, I always fall because I'm on, you know, you're in the lights and you're on stage and you're trying to come up with questions for the students. I always fall into an either or fallacy mm. and I give the students two options to give the students two options. <laughs> the students, two options, two options, two options sounds either great. you can have chowder or <laughs> you can, no. Um, anyway, so let's get into it. So we are going to talk about logical fallacies today. So our first logical fallacy is perhaps the most famous, and that is ad hominem. And ad hominem is... It means to the man. To the man. Now, the first bunch of, of fallacies we're going to be talking about are fallacies of distraction. It's when in, an, in, a, in a conversation or in a back and forth, you are distracting from the issue at hand by bringing up something else. So an ad hominem is a, is a distraction that attacks an opponent's character. Uh, when the character is actually irrelevant to the argument. So if I said, well, bees, of course you think that. You're from Houston. Or maybe well, that's, that's bulverism. That's so bulverism. The ad, no. ad hominem is when, say, we, we bring in an expert and he is proving that we as a planet are hurtling into the sun and we desperately need to fix these problems. And I stand up and I'm saying, yeah, well, all your research checks out, but I heard you kick puppies. <laughs> so... Why should we believe you? And That's everyone's sort of like, oh, rumble, rumble. Yeah, right, exactly. This guy kicks puppies, and then they disregard the arguments, even though they have nothing to do with his personal But Wait, hold on. Virtues. Okay. So um, when we talked about persuasion, there was ethos, which is like the character of the person. Mm -hmm. So doesn't ethos matter to a person's argument? It does. 
but it has to be ethos matters to matters to a person's argument when it's when it's irrelevant. So ethos always oh. matters, relevant or not, okay. right? For the person that the argument is coming from, even though it shouldn't matter as much, it always does. So if they kick puppies, it does matter to me. Even, even if it shouldn't, okay. right? And that's that's the reason this is that so it, effective, it works. right? Mm-hmm. It, it works yeah. because we we immediately disregard arguments even if they have nothing to do with the person themselves. And this, there are legitimate versions of this. It happens in courtrooms all the time where mm-hmm. if if the witness is saying that they saw this guy do something and I can say, well, you actually have a record of lying and you're not a reliable witness. Well, that's that's completely valid. And that's not yeah, right? an ad hominem. That's or not an is, ad hominem. It is an attack on their character, but it's a, it's a valid it one. To, that, right, yeah. it relates to what's happening in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. It's where if you have an expert witness that has no personal you know, buy into this thing and he's an expert on birds and we're like, yeah, but you're a smoker, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So you make bad decisions and that yeah. has nothing to do with how much he knows about ornithology. So Good use of ornithology. Why, thank you. <laughs> Next one is uh, to Kokwe. Uh, and that one is like an appeal to a hypocrisy. So again, a distraction where you're trying to discredit an opponent's conclusion by uh, uh, appealing to supposed hypocrisy between the argument and the actions. So um, we have a logic textbook that we teach out of that has <laughs> it is my the favorite example best example of two quoque and it's this is literally word for word from our logic textbook don't don't tell me not to smuggle cocaine <laughs> you smuggled cocaine yeah you do it too you do and it too <laughs> when my question is when has this conversation <laughs> ever happened? ever happened yeah. in the, there's like no situation in which one cocaine smuggler is like bro you can't get into this <laughs> you've got to stop you can't smuggle cocaine it's like you do that's you. Not, that has never happened so this is yeah an appeal to someone's hypocrisy so kids will do this with parents all the time i think that's where it pops up the most probably is in your teens why can't i go to this party you partied mom or well, don't tell me not to smoke. You smoke, mom. And then they so the, the whether door. or not the mother smoked does not bear on whether or not her argument as to why this student should not be smoking or partying or smuggling cocaine uh, uh, has any holds water. Like, In fact, that your mom smoked might be more reason to trust you. Why? why mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you shouldn't start. Is she knows why it's bad. So it's a, it's a distraction. So yeah. instead of instead of should this student be smuggling cocaine, it is now we are going at after the person who yeah. also smuggled cocaine. Um, the next one is uh, called transfer, um, and this is like a, uh, an association distraction. So uh, it equates positive characteristics of a spokesperson with their conclusion. So you see this a lot in advertising. All and the time. you see uh, another real famous one was when um, Clint Eastwood uh, uh, was a spokesperson for the Republican Party. He uh, said, yeah, wh- wh- who are we supposed to suffer under these policies for the next eight years? And he, w- I think it was an anti-Obama ad way back in the yeah. day. And, um, and so they're trying to transfer all those uh, associations we have with Clint Eastwood. And in that case, not even just Clint Eastwood, but the parts that he's played in the past. So right. not Clint not Eastwood, the actor, but like... Uh, uh, that he's gritty and that, that he he's gritty doesn't and take no guff. And likes and to work he, man. Yeah, he's he's a down-home guy. When in reality, he probably lives in a very fancy house and has never spent more time on a ranch than he has to. <laughs> uh, that's an assumption. He might have a ranch of his own yeah. these days, but still, we have no idea. But you're transferring positive characteristics to your argument yeah. based on the spokesperson. So, um, uh, you know who loves these shoes? Ellen. Ellen loves these shoes. Man, I really want those shoes. Is Ellen, like, 
Does it actually matter? It's, 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 it's sort of that weird gray area as like how much of an expert on shoes is this spokesperson? But man, I really feel strongly about these shoes because my favorite people love these shoes. Well, then it's not even just connection with a person who also loves them, but often the arguer themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe someone like really awesome gets up and puts forward this argument and we are expected to give all of their good qualities to the argument. I think mm-hmm. this happens when... Famous people get into politics all the time. Mm. They stand up and they're like, I'm gonna argue for world peace. And we're thinking Madonna and all of the cool stuff that Madonna has going for her, we transfer onto her arguments, even though she probably right. doesn't know much about world politics. If The Rock does decide to run for the presidency, <laughs> this is going to He's be a vote. transfer f- logical fallacy to the extreme because everyone's like, yeah. man, The Rock is awesome. He gets so much stuff done. But the thing is, is The Rock is kind of awesome. <laughs> like he, Have you yeah. ever seen him on shows? It's There was yeah, one sure. where he goes, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? And he's like, well, I actually bake, bake muffins and that's what The Rock was cooking. <laughs> and he pulled them out and he had made muffins. Actually had that's muffins. so adorable. Yeah. He seems like a, such a nice guy. So, but okay, so knowing but, so the transfer fallacy works on Hanenberg, apparently. Oh, yeah, that's what uh, I'm yeah. learning right now. Within a yeah, very little trouble. Is it, I'm taking it. Is the point of all of these that they work, and we should just know that they're happening? So, like, if I know that transfer happens, doesn't that mean I should get lots of respect for something? I should get lots of respect for being dean of student life, and then I should go and endorse a line of student well, life wear, student life wear, <laughs> and like use this to my benefit. Well, you, that's the problem. Is is that I kind of think of them as like little argument cortisone shots, right? Like they can maybe get you through the game. They can maybe get you through the argument. But if this is everything that you rely your argument on, eventually, if you don't have the firm foundation of actual good policy or actual good argument, um, this is all window dressing. So these things can be like transfer. Some of these things can be helpful to sort of push the argument over the line. Uh, but they can, but they they can be really manipulative, right? Yeah, and I think more than that, they're. I mean, they're not always good. Sometimes a fallacy is just you're making a logic mistake mm-hmm. and you don't know you're making it. Mm-hmm. But they, the there are certain ones that can be used to your advantage, and they're kind of like tiny lies, right? This is right. reading Aristotle. I think it was Aristotle's rhetoric. He talks about how you shouldn't use them, especially in the courtroom, because why would you warp the ruler that you are then going to use to judge the case? Yeah. I, it seems like they had more respect for the judge back then and that they wanted an honest thing to come out of the case but using these and trying to dupe and twist everything so the judge was confused wasn't exactly the goal Mm -hmm. and i feel the same i mean the same thing kind of happens in discourse all the time as people abuse these and yeah you're right they're flimsy right it's if someone actually got up there and knew the fallacies and knew how to identify them and get out of them call them out call them out they would they would fold right like a paper crane so next one is ipsa dixit um, and we should probably put like a list of all these on the show notes of the site. That's a little work to do, but I think we can just copy. I I just copy and paste. Yeah, I got that. Put some on there. <laughs> yeah, I know that this is a long list, listener, and that you you know you might have to listen through a couple times or write them down. But I'll, yeah, I'll put the show notes up, and then you guys can have them written. So ipsedixit is an irrelevant appeal to authority, or uh, an appeal to an irrelevant authority, a fallacy of distraction that appeals to someone that just has no basis of being an authority on this. This is the, well, my dad says, uh, a logical fallacy. Um, yeah. A little kid will say, well, my dad says that, um, that we should you know, not use that brand of hockey stick. Maybe. And uh, so my, my very, favorite. And if your dad has no, uh, I'm realizing I'm showing where I'm from. But if your dad, <laughs> this is a very relevant example. But if your father has no professional hockey playing experience or has never played hockey in the first place, this is it. Doesn't matter if your dad what your dad says. Now, to a little child, you, the dad is the authority on everything, right? And so they're they're coming by this fallacy honestly. Um, but it's a distraction. It's it's you are um, you're just you're making an uh, an appeal to an irrelevant authority. My favorite example of this would be 
appealing to we have a teacher named a guy who used to teach her named Dr. Kump and he is he is well yep. and he he's he's a great guy and he knows he's a particle physicist I think he's got his PhD in particle physics he's he's like as far as rocket scientists <laughs> go this is the guy right but appealing to him about fashion is definitely not, it's the not, like, Dr. Damn. Kump says these pants are nice. That's probably not right, but appealing to, say, Tim Gunn from Project Runway, now that's an appropriate appeal. That sure. guy knows about fashion. And appealing to Dr. Kump about particle physics, that's a legitimate appeal, too. But when you flip them, that's where you're having problems. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I feel like you should go with your gut on this one. <laughs> that's my Tim Gunn. That was a great this impersonation. Is, I'm concerned. <laughs> it's concerning. <laughs> Thank you, designers. Thank you. And then uh, the kiss, and then, and then the, the little the crab little hands. Crab hands. Yep. All right. Next one is bulverism, <laughs> and this was the one I got confused with with ad hominem, and this is a distraction fallacy that assumes an opponent's position is wrong by focusing on on how they came to understand or believe that thing. Hmm. Well, of course you would think that you're a conservative. Um, well, you're just a Christian, so of course that's what you're going to say. Well, more and like dismissing it, pointing out how they came to believe it. So. You, you're only a Christian because you grew up in a Christian exactly. household. Yeah, yeah. Or mm-hmm. you're only a conservative because you grew up in a red state. Mm-hmm. Right? Proving how I came to my conclusions, Those all you've done is discredit. proving how I came to my conclusions. It doesn't disprove the conclusion. I think this, this often pops up in apologetics, right? And in when Christians are trying to proselytize, they'll mm-hmm. say, you're only a Christian because you grew up that way. Sure. I only believe in math because I grew up <laughs> that way and I was taught math. It doesn't mean my math is wrong. Mm-hmm. So, and that's an easy one. That, that one comes up a lot. And so to get out of that is you just, again, with all of these fallacies of distraction, it's just return to the issue at hand. And that's how you can get back on to actually talking about something as opposed to being distracted. Are there some of these that you see more often than others? I guess either from the students or... Ad hominem is an especially bad one. That one pops up in every presidential debate yeah. ever that's ever happened, ever. Um, yeah, that that one, I'm trying to think of, there's more coming up that are... Hasty generalization, which we'll get to later. Yeah, there's other ones coming up that students use a lot. Um, Bulverism, not so much, um, but they, there's, yeah, there's one, I can't remember what it is. I'm sure it'll pop into my mind. Transfer in ads is really bad. Mm-hmm. Transfer happens a lot. Um, this so, next one, genetic fallacy. Yeah, the next one, too. genetic fallacy. So uh, this is uh, distraction that rejects or accepts an argument solely based on the moral character of another previous arguer. So it's like, you know who else was a vegan? Hitler, <laughs> which is true. And then you say- It wasn't um, really? He was a vegan. Was he a vegan? Yeah, he was a vegan. Or he had some like ex- really extreme diet that, um, I don't know if vegans exist in the 40s. But this is where if you, yeah, you say like the other person who believed this was this terrible person. Um, or you know who else believed that thing? And then you- figure out some sort of pot. You know who else believes that? Beyonce. And all the students will be like, well, then I'm following perfect. that. That's it. what yeah. I want to do. Again, um, transfer. I'm on I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that works on Hindenburg too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the genetic fallacy. But this one is like, this terrible or this wonderful person also believed it, therefore you should believe it. It's a form of, of transfer. Can I also say, so um, there are all the, there's the fancy names and then in parentheses, there's another name. This one has, says ancestral stench. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yes. I so the, the difference, I mean, it's a pretty, small difference between transfer and genetic fallacy. I think transfer is, it has to be the arguer or spokesperson. So you are trying to transfer their good qualities onto the thing that they are arguing. And this is once removed, right? Genetic. So yep. you are rejecting or accepting based on a previous arguer, not the current arguer. Mm-hmm. So someone so who's not even arguing. Someone who's not even currently arguing, yeah. right? It's some someone else. Yeah. Um, next one is, is special pleading. So this is a fallacy of distraction that argues for an exception 
to an accepted <laughs> principle or standard without offering a justification. I really like this one. So, uh, well, Hanberg, you've got the best so example. So my, my favorite example from this one, and I used to see it all the time in Washington, is they'd be like, we should ban drugs from such and such. And I do, like, one guy would raise his hand and be like, but dude, weed. <laughs> We're like, y- yes. And be like, and dude. Was- and he would like give you a wink and kind of <laughs> nod at you and be like, Weed, you know what I'm saying? And then the same thing happens when people are, try, are trying to get into a club, uh-huh. right? The, the bouncer will be like, no no one is allowed in. I don't know why he's rushing in this scenario. <laughs> but somebody will be like, but bro, they'll like tap their chest me. and kind of put their hands out and be like, it's me. It's me, man. He's like, I don't, I don't know you, right? So <laughs> that's the same kind of thing. Special pleading. So like, I'm un- special for no given reason. Unjustified exception. Yeah. Um, or exemption for anything. Yeah. Next one is uh, is add back in uh, special pleading. I see a lot with students. They'll be like, yeah. "So I know we're not supposed to eat in class, but Cannot. Donaldson, but Donaldson, <laughs> it's me." And you're like, "It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way." Um, add baculum. This is the appeal to fear, just the basic uh, fallacy of distraction that uses that uh, tries to persuade by means of threats. So if you if, don't if do you- this. Um, this is a you know this is a nice business you got. It'd be a shame if anything happened to it, right? Like that kind of sometimes they're of fear. they're veiled threats. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're direct threats, mm-hmm. right? Extortion is the most obvious version of this. And then there's also veiled threats where if if you vote for this candidate, you know what's going to happen? You're going to lose your job, and then your family is going to be homeless, right? That's and that's on you, right? And so it's kind of a a threat about what will happen to you if you take a certain course of action, mm-hmm. right? When maybe you shouldn't necessarily vote for that candidate. And I feel like this one is, of all of them, this is one of the ones that people can really easily see. Because you're like, feeling threatened is, is um, yeah, I don't know. It's just sort of easier to see that one than, than maybe a, a transfer or a bulverism. Um, but just in a, a straight up appeal to threat. Um, next one, ad populum, the bandwagon, fallacy of distraction that attempts to show the truth of a proposition based on how many people already accept it. So the Facebook poll to figure out like what you should do um, or what sort of camera to buy or I don't know. That's not, I mean, that just so there are, there are versions of this where if I'm trying to prove that something is popular, then showing that it's popular is, is fine. Is, is, that's the way you But do if it. I'm trying to say that this thing is good or the best thing simply by how many people believe it, I that is a fallacy, mm-hmm. right? It's like trying to prove that. If I was in the Middle Ages trying to prove that the sun revolved around the earth because that's what mm, everyone believes, believes yeah. okay. right? It doesn't prove the validity of your argument. Mm-hmm. It's It should be held on its own two feet. And this happens a lot in advertising, yeah. right? Just because something is popular doesn't 70% mean... of Americans buy this car. Well, yeah, it's probably because it's cheap and poorly made and 70% of Americans don't have a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Not because it's a good car. Yeah. yeah. The thing I keep coming back to is like, so these things work. So... Um, uh, I referenced in a previous podcast a book by Robert Cialdini, and one of his five things for getting people to do stuff is social proof. So it's this. Social proof is saying other people do it, so you should too. So I don't know. Pe- people encourage the people use of people do it. Yeah, but it's, it doesn't. It's a, but you're. But what it, it's a distraction. You're yes. not talking about the topic itself. You're now talking about the topic's um, sort of acceptance in society. And so in many ways, you're right. That is. That is a way to convince people of something, but you've distracted from the issue at hand, which is, is this particular thing, thing something good. that is makes sense for you to do? Um, should you buy this car? Well, uh, we had 12 people buy this car yesterday, right? So, uh, so you're it, cranking them out, huh? The quality <laughs> must be yeah. real high. So on it those doesn't puppies. necessarily mean that it's that it's <laughs> the right choice. Car. Yeah. Right. Um, now we're moving away from fallacies of 
Oh, no, we're still in fallacies of distraction. Yeah, this is just a weird space in the page. Uh, the next one is appeal to pity. So this is distracting them uh, from the truth or validity of an argument by appealing to pity. So playing, like, in the arms of the angel mm. by Sarah McLaughlin in the background and showing, like, really sad puppies and saying, you gotta, we gotta adopt these puppies. Where that doesn't necessarily mean that your family should adopt a puppy. That puppy could be real vicious and you have a small child. Or you are never gonna take care of that puppy because you work in an investment bank and you're never home and the dog's just like sitting alone in his house. Right, so, so that, that one's a weird example because there, that is almost a, le- a legitimate pathos, one. Because right, having, taking pity on something that deserves pity is mm-hmm. a legitimate thing, right? These people deserve your pity, you should have pity for them and help them is not a wrong thing to argue. It's when it's a distraction. So I, you guys, I've had a really hard day. I've, it's just, it's been a super long week. So can, can you all please Vote, vote for Democrat. Me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's been a really I've just had a hard time. Please can you do this? Okay, or AJ. just like just put put this memorandum through. Like I I'm, I wrote this bill. It's about education and it's been so hard. And my wife left me, so oh. please just make it better by voting for this bill. Like yeah. it has nothing to do with what mm-hmm. what's actually happening. Yeah. Um yeah, it's the date me or <laughs> I will Cause myself self harm kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Yeah, and um, you may get that date every once in a while, but that's not that's not that's not the way to win a lady. And this sure. is sort of back to your point, right? It may it work, could work yeah. but it sh- but it's it's it shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, if you want if you want your audience to, and I was talking with my freshman about this yesterday. If you want your audience to believe something and follow it wholeheartedly, you have to convince every piece of them, their mm-hmm. mind, their heart, and their appetites, and. While one of these might convince an appetite, right? So fear, I can mm-hmm. convince my audience out of fear. I don't have the rest of them. Right. And they're not going to follow this and believe it for a really long time mm-hmm. because this is this is the truth and they know it's the truth and they believe it thoroughly. Because there'll be, there'll be that moment where they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. Or the fear will abate and they'll stop doing it. Yep. And yeah. So that's why I think I like thinking of them as cortisone shots. Mm. Like it could sort of work, and work but, then it, but it doesn't. It doesn't have, it's not a firm foundation. Yeah. Um, the next one is the argument from personal incongruity. <laughs> and this is just where you present the argument and then the, uh, the distraction is at the end of it, the person's like, well, I don't believe. I just don't buy it. I just, I just can't buy it. I, and you're like, okay, well, why don't you buy it? It's just like, well, I just, I just not even going to go there. <laughs> I just not even going there. Can't buy it. And you're like, I have laid out the steps <laughs> from the beginning. Reasons. Like yeah. the, every, all the reasons are cut and dried. Why this is there? He's like, I just don't buy it. I just can't. I'm not there. Like it's raining outside. No, I just don't buy it. That's, okay. And that's that's when y'all were saying you see that one we see in students sometimes, yeah. uh, especially when a student has convinced another student of something, mm. and the student realizes that everything is logical, and they would have to abandon their position, and they don't want to let go of it in front of the class mm. to like submit to the. Uh, uh, to the logical brilliance of the other student, they'll just be like, yeah, well, that's great and all, but I just don't buy it. And they're done. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole reason. Yeah. So uh, next one is chronological snobbery. And this is a fallacy of distraction that attempts or accepts or rejects an idea based on its age. No, this one's true. So old this thing, one can... Old things are better than old... Uh, than no, no, no. See, there, there's, there's a two-way version on this one, and typically it's that new stuff is better than old stuff, right? We are That's the newest so generation, yeah. therefore we're better than the older generations. We are the most advanced. We're the most progressive. Or just because this is the newest vacuum means it's the best vacuum, or the newest appliance means mm-hmm. it's the best one. When really, some of those old appliances from the 70s are still running like That's trucks. Right. Sure. Like, they're, they're fantastic. 
And I think this happens the opposite direction in classical schools. Just because something is old, we value it over the newer things or the newer ideas. And there is a certain element of that that's legitimate because it means the books have lasted this long because they are, there's a reason they've yeah. lasted. There are usually. tons of old things that just went out of print because nobody, because they were bad. Right. And then they were just lost to history. Yeah. Right. So and in, so the very effort man has taken to preserve them is an argument for their goodness. But if we were to randomly find a text or a book and then laud it as fantastic just because, Only it's, because of its yeah, age. just because it's old, yeah. I think that happens in classical schools a time. lot. Sure. All the time. Which is why, like, whenever someone says, we found this long-lost symphony by Beethoven in the back of a wall, and it seems to be the only manuscript of the symphony that we are ever going to have. And you listen to it, and you're like, oh, <laughs> it's no this kind of stinks, right? Because <laughs> it's because Beethoven says, threw it, and he's like, yeah, oh, this is garbage. This is garbage. <laughs> he threw it behind the wall. But people love the yeah. idea of this novelty, and now we've got this thing from this master, but then you, the reason why we have the ones that have survived is because they were really good, and this yeah. one is like, Meh. Right. Um, okay. Um, and then the next one is just an appeal to ignorance, a fallacy of distraction that argues for a proposition by pointing to absence of evidence to the contrary. And this is pretty much what the entire, like, alien shows on the History Channel are built on. The Ancient Aliens, yeah. it's my favorite example of this whatever. It's, it basically, there's nothing that proves there aren't aliens. So therefore, there therefore are it's aliens. Probably, it's aliens. It's, it's the longest string of, they just string one after the other. It's like... There's this big open flat space built in Egypt with nothing on it. Could it be a landing pad? And then they since it's a landing since pad. it's a landing pad, what were the aliens doing? And because they were manipulating the the politics, what else could they? It was just you know it's just yeah. one on top of the other on top of the other, and it's it's if you want a good example of this, it's go there. Wait, yeah. Is that like a TV show or something? Yeah, like, the ancient, ancient aliens. aliens. It's a full series. There's like eight eight you know full seasons of That's this. That's right. It's. Have you ever seen the meme online with the guy that's got the crazy hair and he's like, I'm not saying it's aliens, but no. it's aliens? No, but I very much want to it's know. It's that guy. Yeah, it's, the, it's that guy. <laughs> and it's from so, that. Um, and then also, oh, it's just fun fact about Egypt. So in the Great Pyramid of Giza, they did some sonic and sense. They found a new, and they found a new cavity yeah. in the pyramid that's as big as like an airplane, they wow. were saying. It's huge. So... We don't know that it's not aliens. So <laughs> In there? In there, so it's or, aliens. So when the there. aliens remove the pyramid. Exactly. Or an ancient race of... Egyptian cave people. Yeah, they're there. They're definitely there. And they're angry. Yeah, it's, it's some people they got do this cabin fever with accusations of crime. Right, oh, we can't I, prove mm -hmm. that this politician hasn't beaten his children. Mm -hmm. There you go, that guy. Sorry, this was on the History Channel. Yeah, it was on. Look the at the, look at the, the logo right on the bottom right. That's what I'm asking. That, we'll put the picture in the show notes so important. you all know what we're talking about. Oh man, that's so that's more effort. Oh, oh, sorry, right. dude. <laughs> all right. Yeah, so yeah. Also, could you transcribe this whole thing too? <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> so yeah, you see this a lot with, we can't prove that this person didn't do this, therefore, therefore they did it. Or they leave it hanging so you fill in the blank of therefore they did it. Right. Um, all right, so the next one we have is, we may not get through all these boys, but yeah, uh, this is, we're trucking. This is turning out to be a long podcast. The next one we have is too. Straw Man. And the Straw Man is a fallacy of distraction where you, you misrepresent the other argument to a simpler to discredit argument and then discredit that argument. So we show, in senior rhetoric, uh, we, sh we play a game where the students have to put logical fallacies in a bingo sheet, and then we watch a presidential debate, and whenever a logical fallacy pops up, they put the timestamp on and they mark it off on the bingo sheet. And so there's one on the first, no, the second debate between uh, Obama and Romney in 2012, and Romney has come out and he's like laid out his five-point plan of what he's going to do. And Obama comes in. He says, uh, he says, Governor Romney doesn't have a five-point plan. 
he's got a one-point plan, and that's that the people at the top play by a different set of rules. And then, and that's what he does, ignoring I mean, the ignoring other, yeah. the rest of the five and there, points. There was a full five play. Like, there was a pretty big plan. <laughs> and then everyone is like, "Oh, dang, Romney, your plan sucks. Um, your plan's evil." Uh, and it's he just uh, repainted it as something easier totally to defeat. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not a five point plan. It's a one point plan. This one point is bad. And people are like, "Man, I hate that five point plan." <laughs> right. So yeah. it's a fallacy of distraction. Uh, it's you. It's called a straw man because you instead of fighting a man, you build up a fake man mm-hmm. and you boop, you knock him over. And, it, and everyone's like, bravo. <laughs> it's, it's like when, if, if uh, you know, a, a hunter came up and he's like, Here, here's why we need to hunt, you know, because it reduces winter kill of the creatures. They're sometimes a nuisance. They're hurting farmer. He gives all these reasons. And then his opponent just is like, yeah, you just want to kill Bambi, don't you, you murderer? And then everyone's like, oh, he does. Definitely Bambi. He hates Bambi. And that's the same kind of thing. So for the bingo card, do they have to do different logical fallacies? Yes, they oh, can't so just do all... Straw men or all gonna... red herrings, which is our next one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So next one, red herring. So this is a fallacy of distraction that ultimately leads away from the truth of the matter. Mm. So this is just really you. It's like the shiny object fallacy. It's well, thank you so much for that question about taxes. But what I'm really here to talk <laughs> about today is the war on terrorism. People are like, oh man, terrorists. That's scary. Let's talk about that. Right, so it's it's where you're completely distracting them with something else that maybe immediately grabs their attention so you don't have to talk about the the issue at hand. Doesn't Romney have that quote where someone, one of the audience members asks asks a question and he starts giving a different answer Mm -hmm. and the audience member is like, Hey, what are you doing? I asked something about something else, and he goes, "You ask the question you want, and I'll answer the question I want." Really? Yeah, I, I don't remember that. But I mean, that's, that's that's also just a sad a sad commentary on modern politics. Oh yeah, and this is probably the most rampant and egregious fallacy mm-hmm. in the in the presidential mm-hmm. debates. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something completely unrelated. It doesn't have to be you asked about education. Let me talk about feminism. Terrorism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or yeah, something sure. else. Yeah. It, it can be something slightly related, but you're sort of missing the point at mm-hmm. hand or the missing the issue. It's closely related to one called irrelevant thesis that we're not really going to talk about, but it's basically you're arguing for something that isn't really the question at hand. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we were watching the debates and there was one... A really nervous kid was talking yeah, about, he's like, I'm in college and what's going to happen at the end of my going to have a job? Uh, there was in Long Island, so I just remember the Long Island accent. He's like, am I going to have a job after my college? My uncle's telling me that I'm not going to be able to get a job after college. <laughs> what and, am I uh, going to do? And then Obama comes in, he says, well, the first thing we need to do is become energy independent. <laughs> and then you can just see the kid be like, what? <laughs> yeah, we need to control our own energy resources. Yeah. And yeah, it, he kind of takes it off from there. And that doesn't Answered the question on yeah. how this kid's going to get a job. Now the fun thing is, is that what Romney answered, he's at the end of this big long thing that was almost a bit of a red herring. Romney says, "When do you graduate?" And the kid says, "2014." Romney says, "I'm gonna make sure you get a job." <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that kid's getting a job from Romney. Uh, but that well, he's gonna was... have to beat out the binders full of women. Yeah, first. Oh gosh, <laughs> that was in that debate too. Oh man, it's just it's so much fun. Now we thought about doing the recent Clinton Trump right. debate. And, and I was re-watching it, looking just to see if there was enough logical fallacies, and it was just, like, lack of coherent sentences. There's um, just not enough logic in just, there. To really to it was just ad hominem, that. left, right, and center. It was rough. Uh, and then it kind of got – I was depressed for other reasons just from watching that, thinking about all this work we're doing with our students. And then <laughs> they'll be president one day, our, yeah. our kids. Anyway, next one. But yeah, red, red herring and ad hominem are probably the two yeah, worst ones. Wait, doesn't that, that, that matters, doesn't it? Of like, So you teach them how to argue well and then – that's what the debate looks like. Like, does this stuff matter? Yeah. I mean, so if you go back, and this may be a fun exercise to do, is if you go back and watch older debates. So I've been watching the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary, and they've had they've had some debates with, like, the Nixon-Kennedy, or they've had LBJ. 
Um, and they've had Reagan when he was in, in California. And when you go back and watch those old debates, you can tell that these people are actually well-versed in these kinds of logical fallacies. Um, and a lot of these quips that we remember from good speakers, um, Reagan is uh, a favorite of our of our A-Push history teacher here, and so she shows lots of, of clips of Reagan, um, is actually him just quite charming, uh, charming pointing out a logical fallacy mm. and then um, bringing it back to the issue and everyone is sort of charmed by it and that's a really memorable thing. Mm. Um, and and nowadays we have people say like, well, I just want to tell it to you straight. I don't want to have to like go through all, all this like crazy rhetoric. Let's just talk about the issue. But the rhetoric is actually, you need it because- well, it's, um, it's how we talk about it's, the It's issue. how we talk right. about the issue. Yeah. So, so here's, here's the issue I think is one of the reasons we are in the state we're in as far as debates go. And it's- it, Partially, it's because of the news cycle. When you see something publicized from the debate, you're not getting the full coherent argument that took five minutes to put together about the current tax plan and where we're going to go with it. You get the little 20-second blip where one person calls and the other person something or right. makes an argument for something. And I think the debates are currently tailored to appeal to that news cycle where it's little sound bites and not necessarily full arguments, which isn't, isn't the, the Supreme Court that pretty much says... You are not allowed to publish little pieces. You must right. publish the entire transcript right. from things that happen in the Supreme Court for that very reason. Yeah. And I wonder if it wouldn't be the same kind of the like a, a good thing if they to did also that do. For yeah. The debates. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I there some of our students. I've seen them on stage debating and answering questions, and I would much rather watch some of them than some of the politicians I've seen. Can yeah. you encourage our students to run for president? Well, I we have. have. Okay, I mean, great. we have students that have that are leave, that are graduating with a strong sense of like civic duty and wanting to serve the country in the political realm and not from like a self-seeking quest for power, but because they actually in classical education it's very much tied into citizenship and the republic from from Rome right. and democracy from Greece and early days of, mm -hmm. of America. So um, they're being exposed to all this and it's inspiring them to want to go off and 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 serve. And I think that's fantastic. I also think it's it's um, it's a hard road to walk right. in in the modern day, but um, but it's fantastic. Oh man, yeah, there's some kids I would definitely vote for if they came back up. So if you're listening to this and you're one of my former students, <laughs> I could be talking about you. So consider the presidency, I guess. <laughs> So we've come to the end of the fallacies of distraction. So we're going to have that be the podcast or the fallacies of distraction. Maybe we'll come back in the future if people have enjoyed this and do the other fallacies um, of ambiguity, amb fallacies of form, fallacies, fallacies of, form. of form is when you're just sort of screwing up and not putting your argument together yeah. well. But we will do a part two to the fallacies. But those fallacies of distraction are the real big ones because uh, and especially that, yeah, as AJ talked about, like in the 24-hour news cycle or in small little snippets where you're putting a 45-second clip of a politician on Twitter or whatever, um, those fallacies can really um, be uh, uh, used and they can actually really get some sort of traction in our in our headspace and in people, the way people are thinking about things. Because right. if, if, yeah, just because they're, they're, um, they're easy little shots um, right. of, of argument. Uh, as opposed to the actual hard long, work, of the a, hard work yeah. of, of of building of coherency of coherence. <laughs> yes, exactly, the hard work of coherency. All right, I think yeah, let's cut it off there. So thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can check out our website at classicalstuff.net, and you can send us an email at classicalstuff 
at veritasacademy.net. And we will try to get back to you as soon as we can. And we would like to shout out to our first fan that is not affiliated with the school. <laughs> and our first, she sent our first email. Yeah. She sent our first email. So um, this is to Julie. This is so, to Julie up in Maine. Thanks so, so much for your email. And we put all your uh, requests for podcasts on the list. And one of them was Logical Fallacies. So this, I guess this, this one's one goes you. out there to Julie. <laughs> so thanks again and see you next time. Bye.